Hey, everybody. We want to thank you all who have supported the show. And anybody who is interested in supporting the show can check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash xchateau, or you can find the link on xchateau.com. We have over 100 episodes, and by becoming a patron, you can get access to 100-plus episodes. Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights with your host, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to X Chateau. We're back talking about sustainability. And we have Anna Britton, Executive Director of Napa Green, who defined sustainability with six pillars and now seven strands. And she's going to tell us why she includes energy efficiency as one of these core elements of sustainability. Yes, absolutely. So energy, think energy, think dollars. The very first thing is if you're working on your energy efficiency, you're saving money. It's one of the most immediate ways that you can save money. We're talking about energy, we're talking about electricity and gas and fuel, right? I'll just give one example. We've seen a winery making 20,000 cases of wine that's using 20 kilowatt hours per case. And we've seen the same size winery, 20,000 cases using only three kilowatt hours per case. And that added efficiency saves that winery $108,000 a year. There's an opportunity to save over $108,000 a year just by improving your energy efficiency. And the other piece here is as we're all putting in more and more solar, you don't want to solarize your inefficiencies, as we call it. If you improve your efficiency, you're reducing the size, the cost, the amount of solar that you need. So this is a big topic for your bottom line. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. Today, we're continuing our series on sustainability, and our guest is David Duncan, CEO of Silver Oak. And we're going to be talking about a focus on energy efficiency and as an early leader in this space. David, can you please give me and Peter a brief overview of your background and the scope of Silver Oak's wine businesses? Yeah, good afternoon, Robert. Peter, really glad to be with you guys. Thank you. So Silver Oak began in 1972, so we are celebrating our 50th anniversary this year. My father and his winemaking partner, Justin Meyer, were the co-founders. And so we have been at it now for a while and really enjoying you know, this celebratory year. I think today where Silver Oak is, is we have two wineries that we produce Silver Oak, one in Napa Valley in Oakville and one in the Alexander Valley just outside of Healdsburg. And we make a little more than 100,000 cases of wine a year under our Silver Oak label. So we're not a tiny winery. We're not a huge winery. One thing that we have changed over the years, and particularly since I have been at the winery, is the amount of estate-owned fruit that we use has gone up to about 75%. So we control almost 700 acres of vineyards that we use for making our wines under our different brands. And that's a very important part of where we are today, that we, we like to think about growing wine in the vineyard. And you also have a cooperage, I believe, right, and other elements of your business? We do. We have four different wine brands. Silver Oak is the only one that uses exclusively American oak. And uh, we have a cooperage in Missouri called the Oak Cooperage, where we make our own barrels and use those for Silver Oak's barrel aging that we do for two years. So with such an expansive breadth of the business, how do you think about sustainability as part of that? Well, I think it's interesting. My my brother and I in grade school were both part of a, I'm talking back in the 70s, we're, we're both part of a club at our public grade school in Denver that was called CLAW. And CLAW stood for Clean Land, Air, and Water. I actually still have my certificate from of good standing from CLAW. So I grew up, my father was a hunter. And uh, for those who maybe don't hunt today, that you may not know that hunters are really the best naturalists and 
and people that care about resources, there are. You know, so as I grew up, I was a Ducks Unlimited Green Wing. I've been a card carrying member of Fish Unlimited and the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. And so sustainability is something that I've been around and aware of. You know, I think partly because I grew up in Colorado and it's water is such a precious resource there. And, you know, something I've cared about really deeply for really since I was a kid. Though there are many elements of sustainability that Silverwork excels at, we'd love to focus on energy efficiency. How do you see energy efficiency's role within the broader sustainability framework? Well, so there was sort of a path that led us to that, you know, to energy in particular. And it really, I think our efforts in sustainability really began in earnest in the vineyards. You know, we started to question, you know, what products we were using, what really impacts wine quality, how we use water, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a journey that really began in earnest in the late 90s and early 2000s. And then in 2006, we had a fire at our Oakville winery in Napa Valley. And it was not a forest fire. It was a dumpster fire. After the calamity of the last five years and the fires that we've had here, I now call it my personal fire uh, because the dumpster caught on fire and burned our winery down. And that launched us into a need to rebuild the Oakville winery. And when we did that, you know, I was really keen on doing the right thing. We weren't going for certifications or or any kind of laurels or anything that, you know, we needed. We just wanted to do it correctly. So we put solar panels on the building in 2000, you know, the winery was completed in 2008. So, you know, imagine 2006, 2007 timeframe, you know, we were planning and designing the winery after the fire and knew that we wanted to put solar panels on the building, for instance, and, and, you know, try and get off the grid. And then years later, when we had the opportunity to build the Alexander Valley Winery, we looked at that and what we had done in Oakville and really tried to take it to the next level. And, you know, that's where we got both of our Silver Oak wineries are LEED Platinum certified. The Alexander Valley Winery is also a living building. And that is a very stringent uh, set of requirements that you need to go through, mostly centered around energy and water use. But there's also other pedals, they call them, in the grading system. You also have to prove what you do. So we know that our winery today uses about one gallon of water per gallon of wine, which the industry average would be about seven gallons of water per gallon of wine. And we know that we generate on an annual basis about 105% of our total power needs at the winery. And so, you know, this winery is truly off the grid. <laughs> and, and, you know, we were able to do some things and apply the learnings that we've had over, you know, now more than a decade to this new facility when we built that. So with the Silver Oak Oakville Winery being the first platinum lead certified commercial winery in the world, I'm curious on what drove those decisions outside of that fire. I mean, it, it, clearly there is some motivation here that you had to be able to drive that decision home. So it's interesting that the Oakville Winery was the first winery to receive lead platinum certification as an existing building. And then the Alexander Valley Winery was the first winery to receive what in lead language they call a new build, a new build certification. So I like to say we have the first and the first winery of lead platinum, not the first and the second. But, you know, I think, you know, like I mentioned, as we had the opportunity to completely rethink our winery with all due respect to, to wineries that have come around more recently, often these wineries are being built by somebody who's building a winery to make wine. And when the fire happened, we had been making Silver Oak for 35 years. So we were really able to focus in on the things that make a difference in the wine quality and our footprint and, of course, our guest experience as well. But energy and water are obviously the two largest inputs for 
for wine. And so, you know, we had an opportunity to really think outside the box in terms of what we could do and what we were trying to achieve, yet had a very laser focus on the wine that we were going to make because, you know, we were just trying to improve what had been there before. And so what were the key elements of energy efficiency for the building at that time? You mentioned solar outside of that. I'm curious on what are the other key factors or elements there? Are you asking for Oakville in particular? Either one, but I mean, I I was just, because that was the one you started with in terms of the changes. I'm curious at at that time when you started. Yeah. I mean, I think energy efficiency at Oakville was really primarily focused around the solar panels providing energy for the winery during the day. We looked into things like LED lighting, but back in 2007, as we were ordering those fixtures, they were cost prohibitive. And they literally was about 3x in those days to put in LED lighting. So 10 years later, when we built the Alexander Valley Winery, every single light bulb in this entire facility is LED. So we don't have to change the light bulbs, and they are incredibly more energy efficient, and it was essentially more cost effective. So our president, Tony LeBlanc, has one of my favorite sayings, which is that money is also a resource. And so to build sustainably or energy efficient or for water saving purposes at any expense is really is a form of wastefulness. And so, you know, everything that we've done at the Alexander Valley, this winery is now five years old, has been paid back. Our solar panels, our water infrastructure, choice of materials, all of those different, you know, components. And so, you know, it's sort of a, a learning process in terms of, particularly as it, as it relates to energy efficiency. But, you know, we were able to achieve something on our second try that even outshone our, our first try. But, you know, I think the LED lighting is probably the most important thing that I wish we could redo at Oakville and probably will at some point. But that's going to be a big project. <laughs> were there other technologies that changed between Oakville and Alexander Valley that you were able to execute at Alexander Valley that you weren't in Oakville? So at the risk of getting into geekdom, one of the big things that we did in the Alexander Valley winery was we installed an ammonia chiller for our uh, glycol cooling system to keep the tanks at temperature while we're, you know, particularly when there's wine stored in them or when we're doing fermentations. And ammonia was the old school technology from like the 30s and 40s, but it kind of phased out sort of post-World War II because it's dangerous. But today's technology uses a very small amount of ammonia with a very high, highly efficient system. And so, you know, we installed it here and it works wonderfully. The other thing that we did at Alexander Valley, again, from an energy efficiency standpoint, is that we installed a water heating system that actually brings our sanitation water, which we're using to clean steam barrels or clean tanks, up to about 105 degrees Fahrenheit using solar power. And then we actually use the, the energy that comes off of the cooling system, which of course generates heat, to bring it up about another 10 or 15 degrees. And then we actually use electricity, which is very inefficient. But because we're using solar power, it's the best way to bring the water up to sanitation temperatures. That's why I said we were going to get down a rabbit hole there. But from an energy project standpoint, to think through that, work with the consultants and the engineers and the electricians and the plumbers was a learning process and something that everybody bought into to try and create something here that you know is unique and special and also authentically truly sustainable winemaking facility. And one of the things about wineries and their energy use is that most of it's concentrated during harvest because you're running all sorts of stuff. 
and then less the rest of the year? Is there ways that you've been able to deal with that? Yeah. So one of the questions I get asked a lot, which I think it maybe is where you're headed, is for storage. And and so we did not put in a big battery backup storage. We have a small battery system that actually helps us run efficiently off the grid. But you're absolutely right. When the crush equipment is going and all the all the tanks are full and all the glycol is going, there is a peak season of you know about three to four months of time. And then the rest of the time, we're just essentially keeping the sellers cool. And of course, the human space conditioned. But And that's why, actually, I think that's why the living building analyzes your annual energy use. Because during, probably during the peak of crush, well, we've seen it. If it's sunny out, we're actually still running off of pg and We are not using the power grid, even during crush. But, you know, at other times of the year, if it's cloudy, for instance, you know, we might be pulling off the grid some, but then this battery system and the computer that's attached to it optimizes that so that we're, you know, maximizing what the solar panels are are giving us at, at any given time, both for the heat exchange for the water and, of course, for our electrical needs. Got it. And then what about the vineyards or the cooperage? Are there ways that you've helped improve the energy efficiency of those operations? Yeah, that's a great question. So that is something that I'm very interested in, and we have a lot of current ongoing work in that effort. We are working towards LEED certifying our other winemaking facilities. I don't know that we'll be able to achieve LEED Platinum at, for instance, our Toomey wineries or even Ovid, but you know we're in the process now of, of uh, figuring out what we need to do to, to hopefully get LEED Gold or LEED Silver for those facilities. And then in the vineyards, you know, I think the big thing that I think the industry is working towards, and we're part of this, is working away from you know hydrocarbon-based tractors. So the electric tractor competition is on, and there's a number of different really compelling and interesting companies that are, you know, putting together electric tractors. And for your listeners like who have driven an electric car, the advantage of an electric tractor is all about torque. And so you can do things that a traditional PTO can't do because electric tractors generate so much torque. That being said, you've also then got to charge batteries. Batteries have a, a basically a negative footprint you know, and I, in some cases, I think it's hard to justify that batteries aren't worse than gasoline <laughs> from where it comes from. So there, you know, you got to weigh those different inputs to the overall picture. But I think one thing that I'm really interested in is the electric tractor, electric tractor market, and how that's going to impact, you know, what can and can't be done. And and so that is a very live, very ongoing. Nobody's quite there yet. To we haven't purchased one yet. Let's put it that way. And what about the cooperage? Is there anything there that has uh, energy efficiency benefits? Specifically from an energy efficiency benefit, I'd say the number one thing that we do at the Cooperage is we don't use we don't use natural gas to, to heat and bend our barrels. We actually burn the scrap wood from the Cooperage. And so it's not, frankly, power is cheaper there <laughs> in Missouri. And so we haven't figured out to put the solar panel array on the Cooperage yet because there is definitely a lot of electricity that's used in the Cooperage. But it's not horribly inefficient the way it is. And as I always like to point out, trees are a sustainable resource. And so we can grow more trees. And, and um, you know, so using that wood is actually quite efficient. So when you think about making investments in terms of improving energy efficiency and sustainability projects, when you look at the business cases, how do you go about calculating or thinking about the return on investment? I mean, that's a great question. And as I mentioned before, that you know, we weren't trying to be you know, to create a sustainable platform, a sustainable footprint for any reason other than it's the right thing to do. And so it's also, you know, something that you do have to weigh 
the cost benefit analysis. But, you know, like our solar panel array here at the Alexander Valley Winery where I'm sitting right now, we think got about a, had about a two and a half year payback. So this is going to be our seventh vintage at the new winery. So four vintages ago, I already paid back the solar panel investment, upfront investment. And so we really, what we call it at the winery is the life cost of the building. So we really think about our decisions in terms of, okay, if we put solar panels in, we don't need to pay electric bills at any time. And so that has a return on investment or our use of recycled materials was another thing that was a a larger upfront cost. But if the building doesn't need to be painted, then, you know, you have a benefit of, you know, that kind of thing, which is part of the sustainability picture. So I think those type of input decisions for maybe a little bit more expense up front that you save, you know, maintenance and wear and tear and, and, or something like deferring your energy bills or not deferring them, but eliminating them all have a very calculable ROI. So I guess to drill down a little bit, because you mentioned that a time horizon of about two and a half years, is there a time horizon for an energy efficiency or sustainability project that you think is acceptable for a winery given the, the life value of the building or of the vineyards if it exceeds a certain number of years that it's just not going to be feasible? Well, you know, in finance, it takes, uh, what's the rule of thumb? It takes five years to get a double on your investment, which is a 13% IRR. So if I was going to throw something out, I would say something like five years or more probably doesn't make a lot of sense. I think the other thing would be where technology is going to change. You know, we tried, particularly in Oakville, we tried to build in a lot of flexibility. We did some of that at Alexander Valley, but I think we had learned so much that that we could be a little more definitive with our decisions. And so, but yeah, I don't think there's like a targeted IRR. One of the things for Silver Oak, which is unique too, is that, you know, essentially it takes us five years to make a bottle of wine. We won't release our 2018 Napa until next February in 2023. So it's in the fifth year after vintage. And so thinking long-term planning that way is just a complete natural part of our DNA because of the way we produce wine. You know, I'm making the, you know, 2022 vintage right now, which we won't release until 2027. And so a lot of entrepreneurs and business people don't have the opportunity to think that way. You know, it's like either you're quarterly or, you know, if you're in Silicon Valley, it's weekly, (laughs) you know, it's how much money we're making. And so I think that does give us a little bit of a unique perspective. And are there other benefits you include in your analysis for the business case that others may not think to include? Well, I think the word that pop into my head is like the social cost or it's, for instance, if we just ignored doing solar panels and just decided to go off the grid, there's a whole chain of events that goes down to the damming of rivers and coal and where our energy, you know, the majority of our energy actually comes from today. You know, you can drive an electric car, but if you're pulling the electricity off of a coal-burning power plant, you're still contributing to the hydrocarbon footprint. So I think I think those are kinds of things that we talk about and think about. You know, you don't want to get too too crazy about that kind of stuff either. But I think that is a factor in the way that we think about it is, you know, what's... And the other thing would be, another thing that's really important to us is our people and our culture at the winery. We call our all of our employees the whole bunch, like a great bunch. And for... The impact of the bunch, the safety of our workers, you know, the there's a pedal in, in the living building certification called health and human happiness. And so, you know, having like every every office in actually every window that you look out at the Alexander Valley Winery, you can see a grapevine. Every office has operable windows so you can get fresh air. And so I think there are different things like that that can carry on that you can do little things to make a you know, make a really big difference over a long period of time for the employees and the people and all the different 
persons that have a big impact on producing our product. So on the flip side, are there other costs you include that you think others may not think about? Robert, the way I would answer that is thinking about costs in the short term versus costs over the longer term. So I think it's not necessarily that we would think of something that somebody else wouldn't think about. I think it's that we're trying to think of things in a different way entirely. So I think when you come, when you're confronted with a decision around, is this going to be more or less than, you know, option B, which is maybe a less sustainable way to do something, you really need to think about it. Not in terms of, you know, next week's cost or next month's cost or this project's cost, but how much it's going to cost you over the long period, over a long period of time. Yeah, I think you were talking about the full life cycle cost. So looking at it through the projects or the building's full life cycle. What have been some of the highest payback investments you've made around sustainability and energy efficiency? I think the highest payback things that we've done would primarily be around the solar panels at Alexander Valley Winery. That was not projected to pay back that fast originally, but it worked with working with the team and and the way that that system has functioned and actually performed in real life has exceeded our expectations and continues to work really fabulously. And so I think that that would be probably my shining example of of uh, something that's you know made a really big difference. I think the second thing would be our water use. You know, water is a major resource. Obviously, it's a huge topic in California. And with some of the decisions that we made, particularly around the way we treat our barrels, you know, that has been also a surprising benefit to having a, you know, almost a six to one impact on, on our gallons per gallon of wine. And that's potable water that we do. We have a recycled water system. So we use a lot of gallons of water, but we don't use potable water out of the ground. And so that's, you know, that's an important distinction. So outside of energy efficiency, are there other elements of sustainability that Silver Oak is leading the way in? Well, I think, I don't know if we're leading the way, but I would say we're part of the solutions that are being created. And so, you know, I think from a sustainable footprint standpoint, the next, the biggest input's in the vineyard. And so I'm old enough, I remember the good old days when the vineyards looked like, you know, the moon under the vines and it was very pretty. And that's because we just, you know, everybody was putting copious quantities of Roundup on. And so if you walk through our vineyards today, we have more weeds and you know, they're not as pretty as they used to be. But we have found that it actually has a great impact on uh, wine quality. And so having a, you know, a healthier overall sort of biomass of the of the vineyard and the health of the dirt is something that, you know, I think we're gaining more and more understanding of and something that could probably be applied, frankly, to farming all over the country, if not all over the world, and more and more people are getting on that. So I think I think we're really proud of the efforts that we're working and how much time we spend and the smart people that we get to work with thinking about sustainability in the vineyard and not just doing it to sort of not use, you know, glyphosate, but also to continue and always challenge ourselves in terms of wine quality and, and uh, how we can make every bottle of wine better. Is there a single area of sustainability that you think has had the biggest impact on overall wine quality? You know, I would say that our curiosity around water use began from a sustainable view. And as, and I'm talking about water use in the vineyard, so the way that we irrigate the vines or not. And in the old days, you know, I like to say the farmer would go out and kick on the valve for 12 hours and come back the next morning and turn it off. You know, today we're doing much more precision viticulture and the impact in, in water use in particular, again, began really as a sustainable, a sustainable view project but I think has ended in us understanding that minimizing water in the vineyard is a major 
contributor to quality, ripeness, you know, flavor development. And so those are things that, again, we're not the only ones doing that. And the industry is quite knowledgeable about it. But I think we've applied it and really embraced it. And over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years have really seen the impact in our bottle. So for the wine industry, what do you think are the main barriers to people not investing in energy efficiency? And how do you think we can overcome some of those barriers? Well, I think, you know, there's how many thousand vintners are there now in the U.S.? I think I think the main barriers are that we only get one chance a year to make our product. And so if you make a decision that you need three or four or five years to figure out if it's the right decision, you can get, I'm a Colorado boy, like I said, so you can get out over your skis in terms of was this a was this a positive impact or a negative impact? And so I think the way we mitigate that is we try things on a sort of a scale trial basis. So we'll, you know, we might do two or three acres at a time. You know, if your whole vineyard's only 10 acres, uh, you're gonna be less willing to embrace that. So I think it's the, you know, I think there's a lot of thinking in the wine business around sort of we do things like this because that's the way we've always done it. And so it's hard to break that pattern. But you know, we're trying to participate in that by sharing our learnings and what we've done. We've, you know, between me and our team, you know, we've given hundreds and hundreds of people tours of the Alexander Valley Winery, tours of our vineyards, explaining what we're doing and why. And, you know, that's very gratifying and, you know, something that, that we continue to to want to share. And Tony also, Tony's a sage. So the, the other wonderful thing that he said is that the day we open the winery, it should be obsolete. So we, we I think we did build something that was cutting edge and, and as advanced thinking as could be in 2017. And I don't think anybody else has built a living building winery to my knowledge, but I hope, I sure hope somebody does and we can learn something from them. So you mentioned giving a lot of tours in terms of spreading the word. Are there other ways that interviews, obviously other ways that you guys spread the word about sustainability in the wine industry? Yeah, no, I think talking to you guys, I think my niece, Haley, who, has helped really lead our effort, particularly on the construction phase of of the Alexander Valley Winery. You know, getting the opportunity to speak at conferences, go to different seminars, and whether we're presenting or just just in the audience listening and learning. You know, we're active participants in the work that UC Davis does. That you know, other organizations are doing around sustainability and wine growing. You know, one thing we didn't talk about is our bottles and packaging. You know, that is something that we're moving towards using a lighter glass package. We've never used the big burly bottle ever for Silver Oak, but to try and make an impact there. One of the big things that we did, which I think you'll find interesting, is that we, for our Napa bottling and our Tumi wines, we were shipping empty glass from California to Canada, decorating it in Canada, and shipping it back empty, and then filling it. And so a few years ago, we decided we have to stop that. So our 2018 Napa, which will come out the first weekend in February of 23, is the first Napa bottling in over 20 years. Well, no, it's actually been 25 years that has a paper label on it again. And that was completely a sustainability decision. Like we got to stop the carbon footprint of shipping hundreds and hundreds of cases to Canada and back, back and forth. And so we're really proud of that and really excited to get that package in, on people's tables. Yeah, it's crazy how big of an impact packaging has and... We need to wrap our consumers' minds around bigger packages and always better. There's a huge education there, I think, on the customer side. I'm still a glass proponent, though. I, I don't think we're going to be putting silver oak in plastic bags or, or kegs anytime real soon. So Yeah, I know, for sure, for sure. I mean, uh, being able to recycle it or having a couple normal types of bottles that the industry uses would be very, very helpful. 
So we like to wrap up every episode on a personal note, and we are curious, what was the most memorable wine you've drank in the last year, and who did you drink it with? So this is a low-hanging, easy question, and uh, normally I would pull something out, but I'm going to go safe on this one. So as I mentioned, this is our 50th anniversary, and we lost my father in 2015, and so in August, my brothers and I, who own Silver Oak today, opened a bottle of 72, and the four of us sat in my office after our release day event, after all the people had left, and the four of us drank a bottle of 72 together. It was a great moment. And the wine was actually going beautifully, I'm happy to say. And so that was that was a very exciting and special bottle this year that I think has to take the cake for the most memorable wine of 22. Yeah, I love a lot of the 70s and 60s bottlings of Napa cabs that I've tasted. And I'm sure just looking at tasting that bottle, you could see the evolution and the, and the changes that have happened at the winery over those years and how different, you know, everything from the viticulture was and the, and the environment was to the winemaking. Yeah, not to mention the 12% alcohol on the product. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it was a great bottle. Well, we want to thank you for sharing um, everything you guys are doing around energy efficiency. It's great to have such detailed examples and talk about the wins that have happened and how you guys got into it very, very early. I'm sure there's a myriad of other topics that we could have you back on the podcast to talk about, whether in this area or something else, but we look forward to having you back on the show sometime soon. Okay. Peter, Robert, thank you very much. And I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be on and happy to talk about wine anytime. Don't forget to support the show at xchateau.com or patreon.com slash xchateau. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, cheers. cheers.